0: You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now step into the arena of ideas with your host, Dr. Brian Chilton. Hello, friends. My name, this, uh, my name is Dr. Brian Chilton, and you're listening to the Bell Christie Podcast, coming to you from the Mystic, Majestic Mountains of Northwestern North Carolina. Uh, tonight, I'm flying solo. Uh, it was Curtis Avalo, our co-host. Uh, he has um, some family a family member, actually, his daughter, uh, who is not feeling well. In fact, she was hospitalized earlier this week. Um, I won't go into all the details about it But do be much in prayer She is getting better And so we're thankful for that uh, so we want to continue to remember the Evelo family in our thoughts and prayers and we we pray that uh, uh, Curtis's daughter oldest daughter uh, has a speedy recovery and just know that we're praying for you guys we love you guys and uh, hope you all do, are doing well uh, believe it or not we are in the final uh, we're in the final chapter of our winter Bible study and we're in the final stretch of season seven. Uh, coming up next week, I want to kind of give you, give you kind of the road map for the remainder of Season 7. We only have really a handful of episodes left. Uh, in the month of, we're actually completing out, uh, going through completing out the month of February uh, starting next week. We're going to start a brand new series on what it's called uh, Anthropology. This is the Study of Humanity. And so, coming up next week, we're going to talk about the theories on human origins. How did we get here? I mean, there are different viewpoints concerning uh, the the origin of humanity, where we came from, and a lot of that depends on your theological lens. And so, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up next week. Week after that, we've got an exciting, an exciting uh, study on the human soul. We could have an entire series. On the human soul quite frankly but we're going to touch a little bit on the whole the whole aspect of the human t- human soul what is the human soul is it immortal uh, what is what is it is it separate distinct from uh, our bodies or is it connected to our bodies or is it a blend of both we'll talk about that coming up uh, a couple of weeks and then we've got Dr. Michelle Johnson who'll be back on the air with us coming up uh, February 29th, uh, we're going to talk about what is the image of God, and then we're going to have a question zone coming up, uh, perhaps doing a double header, or we may have a double header next week. I'm not sure. We've got to work through that, uh, but we'll, we'll definitely have some great podcasts coming ahead. Coming up in the month of March, We've got a lot of guests coming on with us in the of month of March. Uh, Dr. Deanna Huff is going to join us March seventh talking about what does it mean to be human. We're talking about anthropology and transhumanism. Transhumanism is a big topic uh, these days, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to, this this topic's so big. we're going to have a double header with this one, not on the same night, but coming up the week after that, the fourteenth. Uh, Ryan Pauley, uh, who is in the DMN program at Biola University, he's going to come on the air with us and he's going to talk about his research into what it means to be human and the whole aspect of transhumanism coming up on the 14th. Dr. Leo Purser's back with us on the 21st talking about why are we here, what's the purpose of humanity. We've got another question zone coming up and then Dr. T.J. Gentry is going to rejoin us sometime around the latter part of March. Talk about the institution of marriage. What is marriage? What is it about? Why did God, as we speak to our humanity, what does it mean? Uh, why do we have marriages? We'll talk about that coming up the 28th. And then in the month of April, we've got a handful of podcasts left talking about the nature of sin. And so that's coming up in April and that. We'll about wrap it up. We've got one episode in May um and so <laughs> some of these we may have double headers with but um but we we really are really trucking right along we only have just a few more podcasts remaining and then season seven will be a wrap just to let you know coming up season eight will season eight will be our last season uh, we'll, as we talk about systematic theology So after that we're going to talk about some different things coming up uh, We may talk about biblical theology Looking at the, the theological uh, teachings of each book of the Bible That's a possibility But we'll let you know more about uh, what's coming ahead I will tell you in season 8 On season 8 we've got some exciting topics coming your way Because we're going to talk about as we wrap up the this, this study in systematic theology Uh, We're going to wrap up talking about some big issues We're going to talk about angelology What are angels? We're going to talk about demons What are demons? And their impact on humanity coming up in season 8 We're also going to talk about what's called ecclesiology The study of the church We'll talk about issues like what is a pastor? What was the whole intention? The biblical parameters about what a pastor is to do What are deacons? Are deacons the bosses of the church? Not really. Not according to the Bible. We'll talk about that uh, coming up in season eight, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, many other issues. And then coming up, like we'll talk about issues about baptism, uh, communion. What are those? What are those things about in that study? And then to top it off, we've got a tremendous study coming your way on eschatology, the study of the last things. What is their final resurrection? Uh, what, is it, what are we talking about when we talk about the second coming of Christ? What is the millennial reign of Christ? Those are some issues we'll talk about coming up season 8. Season 8 going to be good. Uh, but it will probably be a shorter season uh, coming up next week. We're probably going to, to, to trim it down from 32 episodes to probably around 24 episodes per season. But anyhow... That's coming ahead, and so I hope you join us for our future episodes right here on the Bellator Christi Podcast. Well, enough about that. Let's jump into our text uh, right now. Tonight, we are in Galatians chapter 6. Last week, I, let me just go ahead and, and just 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 speak to the elephant in the room. Last week, we had a rough go of it, technologically speaking uh we, we understand it last week was rough. We had a lot of technical glitches. Uh, but this week, you know, I, I'm flying solo. that may help the bandwidth a little bit. I'm not going to share my screen tonight. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just going to encourage you to get your copy of the Bible, follow along with me. I've got my copy right here that I'll be reading from. And and we'll just read together uh, Galatians chapter six. I encourage you to get whatever translation you prefer. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and so uh, tonight we're talking about the final instructions of grace that Paul gives the readers of the Church of Galatia. So there's going to be two things that he's going to talk about uh, in verses one through ten of chapter six. He's going to give the final instructions to the saints. He's directing his these final instructions to the saints of the churches of Galatia. Now remember, this whole book of Galatians is directed to the whole aspect of divine grace. Paul is speaking against the Judaizers, which is a very legalistic group that was trying to uh, command that anyone who joined the church had to be circumcised and had to follow every minute detail of the law. And Paul is saying, listen, what's the point of Christ's forgiveness if we're going to keep every every jot and tittle of the law? If we're going to dot every I and we're going to cross every T of the law, what was the purpose for Christ coming and giving himself, himself of the cross? He says circumcision. If you want to do it, great, but it shouldn't be required. Because we have liberty as Christians. So he's going to give these final instructions to the saints. And then in verses 11 through 18, he's going to give some final instructions about the Savior. So instructions to the saints in verses 1 through 10, if you're keeping notes. And verses 11 through 18, he's going to give the final instructions about the Savior. So in verses 1 through 10, Paul writes his final instructions to the Galatians, Galatian believers, reminding them of three laws. Now, he says, Listen, the law can't save you, but we're under a different law. And he's going to talk about these three laws. First of all, he, he gives instructions concerning the law of Christ. In verses 1 through 5. So let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 5. He says, Brothers and sisters, If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, You who are spiritual, Restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Now does that mean you come at them harshly and you say, You old blasphemer, you old sinner, you... No, absolutely not. He says you come at them with a gentle spirit. Come to them with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves that, so that you also won't be tempted. He says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Don't think more highly of yourself, Paul saying. Okay, um, let each person examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. Isn't that what we do all the time in today's church, in today's society? I'm not even talking about the church here. I'm talking about the church united. Isn't that what we do as Christians in the apologetic community? In a community that I love. Seem like we're at each other's throats anymore about this interpretation or this methodology. To me, that is the most ridiculous thing to debate. A methodology. Okay? If it works for you and your ministry, go with it. If it doesn't and something else works, use that. Let's stop bad-mouthing each other. Uh, anyhow, that's a whole other topic. Uh, and not compare himself with someone else. If for each person will have to carry his own load. So there are a few things he talks about. First of all, the law's name in verses 1 and 2. Uh, he says, you know, he he's. Uh, he's he says in verse 1, a person who falls into sin, or Paul calls this the, the law of Christ. In verse 2, it's called the law of Christ. Verse 1, a person who falls into sin at a vulnerable point should be spiritually restored with a gentle spirit. should be done gently because, guess what? You could also fall for the very same sin. Don't, don't think that you're, that you're higher than someone else, Paul's saying uh understand that you could, you know, so many times we, in a, we as Christians, we look at someone who's fallen. We look at someone and we look at their sin and we say, oh, what a sinner are they? But we forget that we're just as bad of, of a sinner as that other person, maybe even worse, quite honestly. So Paul says take care. Don't think that you're higher than someone else. Don't think that you couldn't fall for the very same sin or into the very same sin that that other person does. A danger for those doing such restoration is that they themselves may be pulled into that sin, Paul says. In verse 2, The person whose life is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Remember last week we talked about how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When you live according to the ways of the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you let the Holy Spirit take control of your life, then that's going to be the natural outpouring of the Spirit the natural outflow of the Spirit through your life to others. It's not something that comes from within us. It's, it comes from the manifestation of the Holy Spirit moving through us. If you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, then you can't help but to exhibit those fruits Because it's not you producing them, it's the Holy Spirit in you, flowing through you. But that can only happen if you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, Paul saying. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps, helps us carry the physical, emotional, and spiritual load threatening to crush other believers. So the law of Christ is simply put, to love other people, to love your neighbor as yourself. And who is your neighbor? It's every single person you come across. It's every single person you encounter. Your neighbor may be a fellow citizen of this nation. Your neighbor may be someone who's not a citizen of this nation. Your neighbor may look like you, or your neighbor may not look a thing like you. Your neighbor may talk like you, or your neighbor may speak a different language. The law of Christ is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the neighbor was understood to be every single person you encounter. Friends, if we live life like that, and if our neighbors live life, lives like that, how much better would our society be? The law of Christ is to love others as you love yourself. This is focused somewhat in Jesus' own commandment to love one another in John 13, 34. It's not possible to keep the entire law of Moses, but it is possible to fulfill both the law of Christ through loving actions if you're submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. It's not going to happen by your own effort. It's going to happen by the Spirit of God flowing through you. But if you're quenching the Holy Spirit, then you're not going to produce the fruit of the Spirit as effectively as you could if you are fully submitted to the Holy Spirit in your life. So we see the law's name, but we also see the law's nature in verses 3-5. through Spiritual believers are to gently restore fallen believers. That doesn't mean you go on Facebook and talking about them. It doesn't mean you go tell everybody else in five different counties what that one person's done. It doesn't mean you stab them in the back. It doesn't mean you try to destroy that person. It means you gently, individually, try to help that person escape the clutches of whatever sin is dragging them down. Anyone who considers himself or herself superior to a fallen believer... Is simply, Paul says, deceiving themselves. Because if you think for a moment that you couldn't fall in the same trap, beloved, you're, you're skating on very thin ice. Because, quite frankly, all of us, any single one of us, when placed in the right circumstances, when placed in the right situations, any single one of us could commit any type of atrocity when, when placed in certain circumstances and situations. Let us not think more highly of ourselves. Let us not think that we are unable to sin because you and I can and will if it were not for the grace of God working in and through our lives. We cannot legitimately compare ourselves to someone else because each person is assigned a different load. Uh, The Greek term is uh, uh, photiad. I have problems pronouncing some Greek words. i you having a Southern accent is bad enough trying to pronounce English words, but when you try to pronounce words in a different language, it it's it's a cross I've got. We got to carry. If if you're from the South, you know what I'm talking about. But um, but it means cargo capacity by the Lord. S- some people have the capacity to carry heavier loads than other people. Some people have the God given capacity to to do certain things that other people can't do. But that's that doesn't mean that one person's greater than the other person, because quite honestly, if you look at that other person, they're going to be they're going to be talented in ways that, that that the other person isn't. All of us have different gifts and abilities given to us by God. We shouldn't be jealous of someone else else's gift or abilities, but we need to to live out the calling that God has given us. That's one of the beautiful things about working in hospice, working in the healthcare industry. Is the fact that you see people called in different disciplines, doing different things. And when everything works together, when you have the nurses, you have the CNAs, you have the chaplains, and social workers, and directors, and physicians, providers all working together, there's some tremendous things that can happen. There's some tremendous things, tremendous blessings that can come to an individual in need. That's, the, that's a picture of the way the church is supposed to operate. That we're not envious about each other's gifts and abilities. That we don't try to compete with each other to see who's better. Because quite honestly, it doesn't matter how strong you are. doesn't matter how wise or smart you think you are. Pale, we all pale in comparison to the, to the might and wisdom of God Almighty. The smartest person on earth doesn't hold a candle to the sunlight, the brilliancy of God's wisdom. We just can't compare. I don't care how strong you think you are. Back in the day, back in my 30s, man, I was a power lifter. In my prime, I I had a bench press of over 520 pounds and could squat over 800 pounds for multiple reps. Boy, I thought I was big time, but I'm going to tell you something. That's nothing compared to the whole galaxy. That's nothing compared to the whole universe. God spoke and all of existence came into reality. We think we're strong. We're nothing compared to God. Nothing compared to Him. So anyone who considers himself or herself superior is, is, is skating on thin ice. So then we also see the instructions concerning the law of, uh, of care in verse 6. In verse 6 he says, "Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher." Okay, so here we see the principle that the one who is taught the scriptures should support the pastor, the preachers, the teachers, uh, and this is this is mentioned elsewhere in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 9:11 verse also 1 Corinthians 9:14, 1 Timothy 5:17. We we've got to Uh, Carry each other's burdens, but we've also got to support those who are um, in gospel ministry. But then we also see that um, instructions concerning the law of collecting in verses 7 through 10. He goes on to say, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So we see that there's the collection of everlasting death in verses seven through eighteen. A person cannot claim to accept the gospel and obligations that uh, Ronald uh, w, uh, w excuse me, Ronald Y. K. Fung said in his commentary, "A person cannot claim to accept the gospel and the obligations that come with it and at the same time live in obedience to the flesh instead of the spirit. We've got to decide who we're living for. Are we living for ourselves? or are we living for the Lord? So destruction here may refer to eternal condemnation or loss of eternal rewards. That's a whole other topic for a whole other time. But what we do see here is that uh, eternal life doesn't mean earning salvation; it means living out in accordance uh, to submission to to our submission to God. Okay, so the collection of everlasting life in verses uh, six through ten uh, it shows us that the, that the Christian life is like a marathon race; it's not a sprint that's like whenever I went through the PhD program I was told by many people who preceded the program uh, who who preceded in that program but not only in that program but other uh, doctoral programs that listen, it's not a sprint you're not going to get through it in a day it's going to take you a long time for me it took about five years to get through the entire program but the Christian life is even more like a marathon Uh, let's not grow tired let's not grow weary sometimes we can get compassion fatigue and we can get tired of carrying the load. And that's why we've got to take time to, to, to spiritually nourish, uh, revive ourselves or, or to, to provide spiritual nourishment. If you're, if you're giving care to others, make sure that you take time for yourself for some self-care. Uh, that's not unbiblical. Jesus himself in Mark chapter 2 we read went off many times by, by himself to spend time alone with the Father. If Jesus did that, if Jesus needed that, how much more do we need it? A great deal. You know, we we need to take time to uh, regain our bearings, so to speak. Uh, but the Christian life is a marathon race Doing good is not seeking to be justified by works But it's living as God has planned for us Through the salvation he's given us Equipping us and edifying us uh, to, to be a blessing to other people A good friend of mine who's a fellow chaplain uh, Often prays and says May we be the hands and feet of Jesus Well in many ways we are the ambassadors of Christ We need to go forth and and doing God's work to benefit and bless others because it may be that through our lives, and the the intention is that through our lives, that the light of Christ would shine so that others would be blessed through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit through our lives. And and hopefully we do just that. Now in verses... uh, now he also talks about sowing the spirit over the long haul means that uh, that that you will receive reap blessings that the Lord places for us. Now you know if we we, we reap the blessings of the Lord, um, but so you, you reap what you sow is is what the teaching is. Um, so. Again, if you sow spiritual things, you'll receive spiritual blessings. If if you f- sow fleshly things, then that has a way of coming back to haunt you. In fact, I was talking with a good friend of mine today, and and said, and it's so true. Things have a way of coming back around on people. Uh, so be careful what we we need to all be careful what we do and what we say because there's his. <laughs> It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week or next month. But eventually things have a way of coming around full circle. So take care because we... Do often reap what we sow. Not all, you know, that doesn't mean if a bad thing happens to you that it, that you, it was something you deserved, but it does, it does mean that things have a way of coming back around if we're not careful. So live according to the Spirit and you will reap spiritual blessings, is what Paul's saying. Now, the final section is in verses 11 through 18. He gives some final instructions. Let me recap the three laws that we mentioned, that Paul mentioned the law of Christ in verses 1 through 5. He mentioned the law of care in verse 6, and the law of collecting in verses 7 through 11. There he's talking about, excuse me, 7 through 10 there he's talking about you reap what you sow. Okay, in verses 11 through 18, Paul gives some final instructions about the savior, and he's going to give two specific instructions. He's going to talk about the instructions about submitting to Christ, and then he's going to give instructions about the sufferings for Christ. Don't be surprised when you might be you might go through some or endure some hardships because of your commitment to Christ. Let's take a look first of all, though, at the instructions about submitting to Christ in verses 11, eleven through sixteen. Now there's two things he says here. First of all, that the legalizers boast in the ceremony of circumcision, whereas we as Christians need to boast in the cross of Christ. Now let's look verses look first at verses eleven through thirteen. Paul writes, Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, the reason they were pushing this legalism on them is because they wanted to be kosher with the world. They wanted to be kosher with, with um, their, their compatriots. Um, but Paul saying, listen, we, we we need to boast in the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. So Paul had dictated the earlier part of the letter to an un- unnamed um, secretary called an amanuensis. It was a scribe. Okay, And now he added... By the way, let me just say in ancient times, this whole idea that someone who couldn't read and write couldn't write a book is hogwash and I'll tell you why because back in those days they had professional scribes you could write an entire book without even knowing how to to read and write paul was a scholar of of the of the highest degree by the way I think Jesus was also a scholar of the highest degree too but that's for another podcast for another time but uh, but paul could read and write paul was a scholar par excellence but because of his eyesight, because of the problems with his eyesight, he often had a scribe write his letters for him. Now, some people believe when he saw the risen Jesus, remember that his eyes were blinded. Some people, even though he regained sight, some people believe that Paul had irreparable damage due to the brilliancy of Christ shining before Paul So Paul's vision The hardships he had with his vision Was a testimony That he had in fact seen the risen Jesus in, in Christ's glory In his amazing glory And remember Paul was setting out To persecute the Christians In fact he was planning to kill Christians As he was heading up uh, to On the road to Damascus But Jesus intervened He saw the risen Jesus but he carried these marks with him uh, with his eyesight even in, even at this time and really all throughout his life, all throughout his life. So these oversized letters indicate Paul was having problems with his eyesight. Now in verses 12 through 13, the, the, the Judaizers were compelling the Galatians to be circumcised, but they were, were doing so for appearance's sake and to avoid being persecuted by unbelievers for the cross of Christ. Now, sometimes beware of this. Sometimes people may seem to be religious, but they're all about the laws and regulations instead of the relationship with Christ. That was the case with these Judaizers. That was the case with these legalists. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't, perhaps they repented and, 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 and um, recognized the grace that we find in Christ. But they made it more about the religion and not about the relationship. Paul was emphasizing the relationship as supreme. Our relationship to Christ is the most important thing, in a period, Paul says. Um so, But they had no basis for boasting, Paul says, because they couldn't keep the law themselves. And, and so they were asking other people to do something that they themselves could not accomplish. That's the problem. You've probably heard the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. So the apostle boasts in the cross of Christ in verses 14 through 16. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to Israel of God. To the Israel of God. So verses 14 through 15, the only basis for believers to boast is in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that is where the atonement came to save us from our sin. Uh, it makes us a new creation, as we see in also in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And then we see, On the world has been crucified to me. Um, Both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing he says And the Israel of God talks about uh, perhaps the Gentile church But most likely the remnant of believing Israel chosen by grace And so he's speaking to Jewish believers But understanding that Gentile believers were part of this genuine church of Christ And then he closes in verses 17-18 through by giving instructions about the sufferings for Christ. So Paul bore on his body the marks of his suffering for Jesus. And he says, listen, it may be that we go through hardships because of our faith in Christ, but stay stay faithful, friends. That's what he's saying. Remain obedient, because Christ, God will bless you far more than the world ever could. Let's read what he says. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So he brings this letter to a close by focusing on the cross of Christ and understanding that he himself bore the marks of Jesus because of the persecutions he had endured, because of even the, his eyesight being harmed by seeing the risen Jesus in all of His glory, but he wouldn't trade that for anything. Because he he saw the risen Jesus, his life was transformed. He had become a new creation because of um, because of his new, newfound relationship with Christ. But Paul's scars were were far from injuries he had received, Paul's scars were from injuries he had received through persecution, but he considered these far more significant than the mark of circumcision, he says. So Paul ends Galatians on the same note with which he began, the grace of God. The grace, that's the theme throughout the entire book. The favor of God, unmerited favor, which flows from the loving nature of Almighty God. And he says, May this grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you all, be with your spirit. And he closes with a big old hearty Amen. Friends, there's a lot of wonderful truths that we find in the book of Galatians, it's a book about grace. It's a book that focuses on our relationship with Christ. It's a book that focuses on the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is not all of these minuscule rules and regulations we set for ourselves about whether women should wear dresses instead of pants. They didn't even have blue jeans back in the New Testament days, folks. (laughs) Everybody had robes. They didn't have those things back in those days. So you know, where where do we get these things that women have to wear dresses instead of blue jeans? Uh, all of these things that this goes back to the very heart of what Paul was speaking about in the book of Galatians. We said all these rules and regulations, and we, to to make ourselves feel superior to someone else. But Paul reminds us, especially in chapter six, that the law of Christ is not about making yourself. Bigger than someone else. It's not about making someone else feel small. But it's about bearing each other's burdens. It's about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in so doing, taking up the law of Christ. Which means to truly love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are a lot of lessons that we could learn from the book of Galatians and I hope and trust that you have been blessed through this study. And we look forward to the next time that we not only step into the arena of ideas, but we greatly anticipate the day that we we, we start a new Bible study series right here on the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Dr. Brian Chilton saying God bless. and We'll see you the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Take care of We love you all. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. This program is protected under Creative Commons Copyright, all rights reserved. If you enjoyed this podcast, then be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review. Also tell a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas.